Welcome back to another episode of Last Men Off the Bench. I'm one of your hosts, Ethan McDougal, and joining me today, as always, is Caleb Lucas. Caleb, how you doing? I am ecstatic after this game. How are you doing, Ethan? Oh, I'm feeling the same way. By the way, shout out to Roll Call Sports for making this all happen, but Bulls, another win. Two in a row in the preseason, Caleb. Yes, sir. Uh, they take down Oklahoma City tonight, uh, 124-103. And, man, was it fun to watch. And we're going to recap it. But before we recap it, I believe that, you know, we, sh- we should talk about what we're giving you as a listener, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of touching on what, what we're trying to accomplish here. We really want to really set a goal for ourselves, and we want you guys as listeners to hold, ourselves, hold us to that goal. And what we plan on giving you is high-quality analysis of, this, of these Bulls basketball games that go past the box score. Yeah, yeah, giving more context to the box score, and then as the season progresses, kind of the season record. So it's not just, oh, it's Levine averaged 25 points per game another season. It's how he got to those points and what it did for the team kind of thing. Right, because every game has a story, and each of those little stories culminates into that season-long narrative. And we want to be here to both break down each game's story and help piece it together and make that narrative as cohesive as possible and we want to have fun doing it too all right yeah that's right yeah <laughs> it's been a whole lot of fun so far this is it's an exciting team three games through the preseason and we're already having fun that's a record <laughs> um i think i've got something to say yeah 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 uh the bulls switched up their starting lineup a little bit instead of starting Otto porter jr at the three they started Patrick Williams and I believe the bulls are halfway to their opening season starting lineup with that change with a uh, benching Otto Porter. Or? No, actually with bringing in Patrick Williams, Patrick Williams has looked solid. He has looked like a good basketball player. The same can't always be said for one of his compatriots, Lowry Martin jr. Yeah. He's, I, he's, he has shown some good some good uh, tendencies on the court and such, but he's been struggling yeah. to get the ball in the hoop. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't feel like I'm making a leap of faith saying this. Based on what we've seen, who has been the better player right now? Patrick Williams, hands down. Patrick Williams. He, I, he brings more on the defense, for sure. But offensively, Lowry Markkinen has really tried. He's been engaged in the game plan. He just hasn't hit his shots. And, you know, sometimes we're forgiving. You know, we want Wendell to take as many shots as he can, and sometimes he doesn't hit it. But at a certain point with every player, you need to start hitting those shots. And the the main gist of it is Patrick Williams is making more out of his opportunities than Lowry is right now. Very much so, yeah. He's, he's looked fantastic on the court. Yeah, and so right this second, on December 16th, 2020, I am going to start the start Pat Williams train, and we're going to start him at the power forward. No small forward. Otto Porter Jr. has been fine. He's been good. So get him in over Lowry Markin, and then let's get some wins. But let's get started today, Caleb. What do you got for yeah. us? You want to hop in on O? Yeah, let's do some offense. Okay, well, I as, as some um, more broad strokes for how the offense played, it was really aggressive, getting downhill towards the basket a lot of the game, and the movement really stood out like uh, this offense that Billy Donovan's bringing in 
it's not static. No, it is. It's got some momentum to it. It's uh, it's fun to watch. What is what it is above all yeah. else. Yeah, it's a, a whole lot more appealing than uh, anything we've seen in the past three years. And it's strange because you know, the the uh, they're still running offensive sets within that motion offense, but everything seems so seamless right now. Yeah. Yeah, those that was another thing. They they were starting to the Bulls were implementing some set plays on offense this game, and it just looked natural with how the offense was going. They it didn't feel like the ball handler had to pull it out to half court and let everybody get set and then go into it. It was they they pass it to the wing, they set up the play on wherever it's going to be at, and then it gets right into it. Mm-hmm. And I think that a sign of a really well designed offense is that sometimes you don't know where the play ends because players can riff off of that play or, you know, sometimes a play gets done early because you just find an open shot. And I think that we're seeing that we're seeing a ton of ball movement and player movement. Players are really utilizing their smarts and taking good off ball cuts and the ball is bouncing around. I don't see a lot of isolation action unless someone's really hot. Yeah. Speaking of really hot, you want to get onto the the first uh, offensive player? Levine oh my goodness he's a he's a walking bucket <laughs> Zach Levine the first six minutes bucket. of this game <laughs> he he's unflappable I I don't think it matters if you play defense or not he's just he's just gonna get another 25 points what was he he was like seven for 11 right for 20 points yeah something along those lines but just the opening of the game it was six for seven and that one miss was like a 30 foot heat check yeah, and what's really, really impressive about every game we've seen so far, at least from my point of view, is that he's really playing within the framework of the offense. He's not going outside, and he's not freelancing. He's just taking what the defense is giving to him. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of he kind of uh, sets the tone for how this offense is going, with how he's uh, it's been the, for the past couple of years as well, but. Uh, him kind of working within the offense, I feel like it gets everybody else to kind of buy into that as well with their uh, offensive leader kind of kind of leading the way with that. Yeah, he just – he looks so – he's so under control on offense. Yeah, that was a point that we saw. He's under control and he's very efficient. He's not – he has very little ex, uh, access movement to his mm-hmm. – uh, any any shot that he takes, he gets to the spot and he takes the shot. Mm-hmm. I know we're kind of diverging a little bit, but just as a quick aside, he also looked very good on defense. Just yes, yeah, you know, he was but, held his held his ground very well over there. We'll touch on that later. Yeah, it I it's got to be pretty easy for Zach though, because he's got another flamethrower right next to him. Are you talking about his running mate Kobe White? I am talking about his running mate Kobe White, and you had a very interesting take. Um, yes. Uh, so last uh, last episode, uh, we mentioned his difference with it as kind of like two modes as a facilitator or as a shooter. I don't think it's that simple. It's when he's driving versus when he's shooting because he goes through these ebb and flow of driving uh, much more often or shooting at a higher at a higher frequency. And I think that passing is kind of a byproduct of him getting downhill and opening up those passing lanes and getting the pressure on the defense. It wasn't just as so simple as he's looking to pass, he's looking to shoot. It's He's attacking the rim and 
off of that, he's opened up a lot of passing lanes, like a dump down to Wendell Carter or a skip pass kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think in this game, you know, he's, I can see that improvement every game, which is very promising. And it looks like he's merging those two, two sides of the coin together a little bit more. Wouldn't you yes. say? Yeah. Especially you, we saw it in the third quarter uh, where he had, a few oh, of those drives, and he, he was a flamethrower that one that corner. <laughs> he was, couldn't miss, uh, especially from the perimeter. But he was mixing in that off-ball work as well as uh, on-ball getting downhill towards the rim, and that op- opens up uh, his layups as well as uh, getting, getting to the rim all the way or making the reads off of the how the defense reacts. I think it's almost jarring – how Zach, how well Zach Levine and Kobe are playing together right now. Yeah, yeah, two guys that aren't necessarily known as uh, facilitators or distributors on offense, but they're making it work. Yeah, it, I I've always I've kind of called Zach a uh, one point five, and Kobe is kind of like a one point five, where they're they can't make really advanced reads. That's just not part of their game. But, you know, you put both of them together and you've almost got a full point guard there, almost. Yeah. And I think uh, one of these other players we want to touch on kind of helps fill in that playmaking in uh, Patrick Williams. You brought up a great term where he's kind of a, an amoeba on offense, where he chews up any of, that, any of the space and kind of adjusts his game to fit whatever lineup he's in. Yeah, and it's really cool to see. And we get to see that, in, we get to see that a lot based on lineups with Zach Levine and lineups without Zach Levine. Because with Zach Levine, Patrick Williams, to me, it seems like he doesn't need to push as much on the offense. He's more taking what Levine and Kobe are giving to him. He's kind of deferring to those yeah. better yeah. scores because, you know, Zach Levine is a professional scorer. But when Levine gets off, we saw, we saw a lot of instances where he's able to create off the dribble. Like he had a, great possession where he did a two in between the leg dribbles and then one more outside dribble hit the three yeah yeah he was hit a two sorry yeah i think it was a long yeah a jumper out there yeah but it feels like when levine and kobe white are on the court he's much more of a off ball kind of cutter spot up kind of player but once they're off the court he he's very aggressive with the drive his ball handling has stood out that it's very tight and that he, he gets to the, he gets to his spots. He whether does. That be, yeah. Yeah. Whether that be the kind of floaters that we've been seeing, we saw a couple of them in the first half or that uh, mid range jumper that he loves. Yeah. It's he, I'm not say, I'm not saying that he should start over Lowry just because I'm infatuated with unsold potential of a rookie. I'm saying that he should start over Lowry because materially he has been better than Lowry marketing. Yes. Lowry hasn't been terrible. He's been, he's been good to a certain extent, like outside of the shot, not falling. It's just that Patrick Williams, you cannot, you have to have him in the starting lineup, whether it's on opening day or some, some line somewhere down the line in the regular season, he should be in the starting lineup. I agree. And you know, like you said, Lowry, has been looking okay. He's looked very aggressive off the dribble. And I think that that's something that he really needs to do. I think he's 
he needs to follow that Nico Meritich diet of starting inside and moving outside to really catch fire. But his three-point ball just has really not connected like we think it should. Yeah, yeah, and that's on very open looks so far this mm-hmm. preseason. Mm-hmm. You want to touch on the uh, the kind of the disruptor on both ends? Uh, yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, Chandler Hutchison had himself a game tonight. He did. Kind of shades of like a David Nawaba. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, you know, when we say shades of David Nawaba, we we talk about that impact on the court with. Hutchison is a hustle player. That's not to say he's not skilled, but one of his primary skills that he brings to the court is that kind of unmatched motor and hustle that he brings. Yes. And it was just on full display right now. He's relentlessly aggressive. mm -hmm. And we're, we're kind of seeing Hutchison create a role for himself as the preseason goes on. I don't think he's taken an outside outside shot. No, I haven't seen a shot outside of, uh, I think, six feet. I think that floater, he took one floater tonight from about six feet from the rim. Everything else has been at the rim. And while that doesn't space the floor, he does provide value in a half-court offense just from how smartly he cuts. Yeah, he cuts well. And then another thing, his ball handling. He, on straight line drives, he gets to the rim. He mm-hmm. creates contact. He just causes chaos down near the basket. Yeah, and Lord help you if you're between him and the basket in transition. Oh, yeah. yeah he had, what, three dunks tonight? They were all very impressive. Very impressive. He's got pogo sticks. and he, That's where Hutchison is the most dangerous. And, you know, if he gets ahead of steam or even if he just grabs the ball off of the defensive rebound, get out of the way right yeah. just don't yeah. don't even try to get near him um since we've touched on a lot of players i do kind of want to pull back just for a second because you made a very interesting point in our uh, pre-show fist fight about where the offense is really operating from yes uh kind of on these set plays and before we'd see in the jim boylan offense kind of initiating at the top of the key and then the play occurs on the wing, which kind of limited the the play to half the court. Mm-hmm. But uh, now it's kind of like they start on the wing and then they bring it back to the top of the key. And then all the action off that, it, it opens up the whole court for anything to happen off of it. And do you think that's kind of why we're, see- we're associating this offense more with a little bit more space and free-flowingness? It definitely helps. I mean, there's been a bunch of, it, it seems like a totally revamped offense. I, I'm pretty sure it is, but it, yeah. this is just another aspect that kind of shows how it's more of a contemporary offense. It's not a, one of those where it's a, it feels like it's bogged down by, in, in any way. Mm-hmm. Do you have any more for us on the offensive side of the ball? No, I'm actually excited to hop over to the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, let's do it. Cause I, one big thing to kind of that, that was really prevalent throughout this game was the Bulls defense will really punish a team that cannot shoot like the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. Let let's get this out of the way right now. The Thunder aren't a very good team. They're a rebuilding team. And so, you know, take all of our takeaways with that idea, but also 
the Bulls beat a bad team, that's what you're supposed to do with bad teams. You're not supposed to lose to bad teams, and they beat them by 23 points, 21 points. Yeah, 21, yeah. They continued, uh, the Bulls uh, continued to show that really solid team rebounding. It's like, a, it seems like every guy on the court is hitting their man, and, and then at least three of them are going after the ball. Yeah, and I think part of that, you know, I don't want to keep on coming back to him, but Patrick Williams is a very good guy who box outs, a boxer outer, however you want to say it. He can block out his man very well, and that helps with the team rebounding. That's kind of, it's not the same, but it's kind of like that Robin Lopez effect from a couple of years ago. That's how Lowry got so many rebounds is because, you know, Robin Lopez was willing to just put his butt into somebody's chest and clear some space for Lowry. Yeah, yeah, and that's definitely – when you have multiple guys on the court doing that, it has led to some great transition opportunities, which uh, really plays into that team pace, uh, picking up the pace from the past few years. But I want to I go back for a second. So what do you mean about this Chicago Bulls offense and really stymieing bad shooting teams? Oh, the, on the defensive end, it's just like mm-hmm. uh, they play as that unit, and they really pack it in. Like uh, they have great help off the ball to uh, have a defender at the rim. And then off of that, they've been really solid on helping that helper, whether it's Wendell Carter Jr. helps the ball and then like Lowry Markinen rotates over to uh, help out against that big man underneath the rim. And then even off of that, they've been uh, closing out really well. Uh, those X outs where it's uh, two guys closing out on two different defenders, uh, like where they started the paint and going out, they've been, excellent on those and really uh, stemming uh, like, uh, stopping the flow of an offense and like how you, how you think of like, get it inside, kick it out, open three or get it back into the paint kind of thing. They've been great at restricting offenses, especially tonight. Yeah. The, it seemed like a lot of times the Thunder were really laboring for a score because they don't have those elite shooters right now. And that's, that's their personnel issue. You know, Pokashevsky didn't really hit it, but uh, yeah, they don't, you know, the Thunder don't have those great shooters like the Rockets did have, and we saw how the Rockets could exploit this defense a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and it's definitely still a work in progress, but it's shown some uh, really great progression, even over just a three-game span. Mm-hmm. Any other defensive takeaways? Well, I just kind of wanted to pat, uh, touch on our uh, – our rookie Patrick Williams here. He, uh, there was a couple plays where he showed his great defensive recovery potential. Uh, mm-hmm. One play that stood out was in the first half. Uh, a guard for the Thunder got by him and he turned his hips. And as that uh, as that offensive player got to the rim, he just swallowed him up and got the block. Yeah, he was able to kind of – he almost let – I believe it was Maladon, but I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. But he almost let Maladon get away. So he wasn't like attached at the hip as much as you would think you should be, but he was still able to get that recovery with his arms outstretched and close up that space when he really needed to. Yes. Yeah. And I think that it, that play highlighted his recovery tools, but also kind of the, the uh, a main weakness of his on that end, which is that hip mobility and uh, being that lateral quickness where if he was able to just wall him off, that's, it kills that whole, uh, drive to the basket, mm-hmm. but it's uh, 
it's just something we've seen a couple of times, a, a few times a game where his hips turn and then the guy can just keep pressing that way. He can't really uh, get back in front and get those hips turned quick mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, I agree. And that's why, that's why we kind of want him to stay at that like power forward position. Yes. Just yeah. because those, the guys taking him off the dribble, there aren't going to be as quick twitch as we might see some threes, some smaller threes be. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely did. That was definitely his natural position on the court. Mm-hmm. But he looks good overall. I'm very happy with how Patrick Williams has been progressing too. I, I feel like I've seen substantial improvement over what, I, what I've what i seen through FSU. Yes. At yeah, FSU. It, yeah, he's – I think it's also like it's uh, almost like the NBA spacing is unlocking a lot of his game. Mm-hmm. Well, that said, oh, sorry. Oh, and, and he's really showing off the dribble too. Yeah, when yeah, for sure. Yeah, but go uh, on with, with your segue. Yeah, with that said, uh, did you want to hop into the deep dive uh, player of the game? Yeah, let's do it. Who do you got? We got Wendell Carter Jr. on tap. I think we might have a little bit of a disagreement here because I, especially in the first half, I was not really happy with the way. Wendell played I think that he gave up too. he gave up too many good looks on the offensive side of the ball I think he was a little bit more passive than we've we've seen him the last couple of games yeah I think it, it definitely did seem like it again I, I didn't take that into account too much but uh, overall in the game he's still taking uh, those open threes and the shot looks good he didn't I don't believe he hit one tonight Mm-mm. but it did lead to uh, a play that I think you really liked where uh, he was spotted up in the corner. Uh, the defender has to close up because he's been taking threes. He puts up a pump fake, the defender bites, and then he puts the ball on the court and actually drove towards the basket. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I screamed during that play. And the, the big thing for me there is the pump fake. Because what does that pump fake tell you? It tells you that Wendell understands that his shot is a threat. So much so that faking it is a tool to get an advantage at that point. That is, if you would have told me that last year, I, I would have said that it, it's unbelievable. That has been such progression from what we've seen last year, where he was a dive man. He was a screen setter and a lob catcher, and that was it. For him to actually utilize the pump fake and create an advantage off that and then Let's not even forget about him taking a player off the dribble and then bodying a man. I just think that that is uh, platonic Wendell Carter Jr. That is the platonic ideal ideal of Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah, I definitely agree. And in the first half, he did look a little timid, but overall, he was very aggressive from as far as Wendell Carter stand Wendell uh, Carter standards are, are at right now mm-hmm. where he was, he did to have a couple drives off the uh, off corner of off corner spot ups. And then he had the one where he caught it in the high post and immediately turned and turned and banged with uh, his defender and got a, a little uh, push shot at the rim. Mm-hmm. And the bulls are still using him as a little bit of an offensive hub. Yeah, yeah, especially like I, I think it was kind of a tale of two halves with how involved he was on offense. But in the second half, they would get it to him in the high post, uh, whether it be right at the start or kind of in the flow of the offense. 
And he was making some quick reads out of it as well, whether it be a cutter or uh, somebody spotted up on the weak side. He was looking really good in that role. Mm -hmm. And so we've got a lot of excitement over here for that kind for that kind of play. It's yeah. something that is very indicative of good things in the future. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, that kind of touches back to our uh, to one and a half guards uh, at the lead guard spots on the roster and Levine and Kobe White and having some playmaking out of the center would really unlock their games. Mm -hmm. It's a very light version of that Denver model. Yes. Yeah. So that's shade, very, very light shades of it. Yeah. Anything else think, you want to hit on oh, with Wendell Carter? Definitely uh, the side that he's uh, an absolute stud on, on mm. defense. Yeah. He's, he's shown to be a, uh, kind of this defensive leader and almost a, a glue guy for the rest of the team when he's out there. It just seems like the whole team plays better on that end with him at the central command, per se, down in the paint. Mm -hmm. He's very in control of the defense as well. He's, I, I think that if we really broke down his fouling issue, a lot of it comes down to he still struggles with a little bit of verticality once the contact is made. When he's going up for the jump, for the contest, his arms are straight up. But once that contact is made, a lot of times I'm seeing the arms drop a little bit and you're going to get a whistle yeah, and that's, for that. Yeah, that's when the foul gets called, yeah. So, you know, on that, I would like to see his arms raise up a little bit more, you know, really stretch him out. But I think overall, especially in this drop scheme, he's really under control. He's, it feels like he understands this defense and he understands where he and everyone else is supposed to be, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yes, definitely, yeah. He's been the linchpin so far. Is like if it, when he's out on the court, the team just looks better on that end. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Well, the, just a tiny point. It's a uh, Wendell uh, individually on defense has been very patient, not really biting on anything, and just kind of getting his his uh, his opponents in a tough position and then holding them there. Yeah. Whether there's one shot where one uh, Al Horford hit a shot over him, but it was a pretty tough jumper. But what can you do? Mm -hmm. Consistently getting guys in tough spots and keeping them there on uh, on the defensive end. All in all, we're very high on Wendell, and I, you know, some people might ask us, "What about the hypocrisy?" You know, Wendell's not hitting his shot as well as Lowry is either. But the thing is that Lowry has Lowry has always kind of been able to shoot the ball. He's yeah. always had that role of being a shooter. Wendell is go Wendell's offensive role has changed so drastically compared to what Lowry's is. Lowry's is getting involved more, but the overall idea of how he functions in the offense isn't as different as Wendell's is. And so we're granting that bigger tolerance because you know it, it's got to be a hard thing to learn. This is an entirely new offense that's kind of built around him. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it comes down to our expectations coming in. I, I think it was kind of a, any, anybody's guess on how Wendell Carter Jr. would be used and what his skill set was. And it's kind of him expanding it out to the three point line where Lowry has been kind of tagged and has the experience to be a more consistent uh, threat from out there. He just hasn't. He hasn't been knocking them down. They've been good looks, 
Uh, we could easily see him shooting high 30s once the season comes, but yeah, it's something it's a, something that we've just seen in track throughout the uh, the game so far. Mm-hmm. And so now it's on to the final event. Caleb, how do you think that this game is going to build on that narrative leading into the season? I, I think it kind of plays into that uh, uh, the story of it being a, a full team. It's not going to be on one guy's shoulder on either end of the court. It's uh, it's on everybody to pull their weight and then maybe pick up the slack on a, any given game for one guy gets hot, one guy is a little bit colder that night or something. But overall, I, I see this uh, this team playing as a team rather than of five individuals trying to get theirs. I like that. I'm going to break off with yours a little bit. I think that this is an attitude game. We are, we're seeing what Billy Donovan, how Billy Donovan wants to conduct his team. You know, Billy got a technical today. He got a technical in a preseason game. We Otto Porter Jr. Dove on the court twice and came up with two loose balls. Otto Porter Jr. did that. You know, this is this game especially had a very, very kinetic energy where you could just the Bulls seem to have fun and they also were playing hard. And that may seem simple, but you have to play hard even in preseason games to play hard in regular season games you have to play hard at some point otherwise you won't know how to play hard and so i think this game really sets that tone for moving into the season but that's just my take on it. oh yeah I, I love that take so <laughs> all right fun yeah, basketball I think to watch it, yeah. it's really fun basketball to watch i'm having a good time we're having a good time watching these bulls and that's all you have to say really you know yeah yeah there's not much more to add to that yeah so on that note we're gonna sign off thank you guys all for listening have a good night and we'll be back on friday Alrighty. good night